Welcome back to the Thunder Buddies Podcast. I am your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by a very special guest, backed by popular demand, Derek Parker, Pokemon Master, I think was the last introduction I gave you, co-founder of Draft Digest. He writes about the Thunder for Sports Illustrated, now even has his own YouTube channel. Derek, how are you doing today? I'm doing phenomenally. Michael, I got to say, I'm missing all of our prestigious Thunder Media faces. I got to see Ryland a few days ago, you today. I'm missing... Joe and and Andrew and just the the whole gang, everybody. Brandon, not not so much Jerry, obviously, but I'm missing missing everybody. Well, we'll have to clip that out for Jerry later, just for him. But yeah, it's, some of those conversations were the most fun of the season. But um, we're here to talk about some draft things. The Thunder get the number twelve pick. You are a huge draft guy, but uh, but the it feels like sort of the top um tier of the draft with Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, and even Amon Thompson to an extent are kind of locked into the top four, but we're going to talk about anybody from there to below in the Thunder's pick range, because I don't know if you know this, the Thunder have a lot of picks to trade up if they'd like to. So um, what are your overall thoughts? We'll start with Amen. Yeah, Amen's really interesting. In terms of the Thunder, he's a six seven. he's essentially a point guard. He, he kind of slots into that forward role, but to really get the most out of Amen Thompson, you're going to have to put him at the lead guard spot. And that kind of nixes him from any like thunder thoughts specifically for me. He's going to require a ton of patience, a ton of development. You're going to have to take him knowing that he is like the project to end all projects, but down the line could be a superstar in the making. So thunder wise, I would say he's probably in that four slot, maybe three. I could see Portland maybe taking a huge gamble if they were to offload Dame. That's neither here nor there, but at number four, I just don't see any scenario where that's that's giving up too much value for a guy that you really don't have time to work on in that regard. So Amen is interesting. I think he's going to be a good basketball player. I have a heat check coming out on him this Friday on my YouTube channel, but I I just don't see it in the cards for Oklahoma City specifically. Yeah, he he scares me. I mean, 20 years old, which is okay, but the fact that the he and his brother Asar, who we're going to get to in a little bit are older playing in the overtime elite, which is just like so hard to kind of like, I was talking to Rylan about this, like you just said about like, how do I process and evaluate this tape when they're playing against, like there's no age league. So they could be playing against 17 year olds and there's nothing wrong with being 20 coming into the draft, but they're going from high school to this weird pro-am thing. They haven't had any like formal coaching. How has the process of evaluating both Amin and Asar been for you? It's tough because I think if you throw a lot of these other prospects into that league, they actually do better and they they produce more. But it was always about the intangibles with Amen and Azar, which you see in their athleticism and their length. Like it, it's that is the type of translatable stuff. Like Amen's first step, he goes absolutely zero to sixty, and that's something that if you're evaluating prospects, like that's not going to change whether it's on some random 16 year old in the OTE or Paul George playing for the Clippers next season. Like that's something that's translatable. And I think they have enough of that. I would have liked to see the stats a little better, but I mean, they, they truly do have some of the best intangibles in the draft class. And that's why they're getting mocked as high as number three. Yeah. And I mean, with a men in particular, I think that it's not crazy to say, maybe you'll correct me on this, that at minimum, he's going to be like a top 15 to 10 athlete in the NBA day one. A hundred percent. That's totally correct. Maybe top 10 the day he sets in the league. Like it, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, I've heard a couple of comps for him. I mean, we're not really going to talk too much more about him since he's kind of out of the thunder range. But this one made me laugh. Athletic Evan Turner. 
Oh, hey, man, Evan Turner was a good player. That's I, I like Evan Turner. That's fine. I guess we can we can live with that one. Yeah, but um, a man, I think he's going to be a dynamic player. I think he's going to go higher in the draft. Those guys scare me just because of the weird tape things. But um, going on to Asar, uh, what are your impressions of him? Because although obviously they're twins, they're going to have a lot of similarities. Their games are a little bit different. Yeah, they're similar in a few ways. I mean, they're the same height, have the same wingspan. Their stats, if you just put them up right next to each other, are fairly similar. But Azar is different for several reasons in that he's much more of a kind of a glue guy, super role player. He played off of a man for the City Reapers, which is the team that they played for. He is much better defensively, much more sound, which like in a short-term viewing is much more translatable. He can shoot the ball better. Again, short-term, that's way better. So Amen is the better prospect overall in terms of upside. But Azar is going to be better more immediately in the NBA. And that's where you can kind of see the thunder start to come into the picture. I'm not saying that they've never necessarily really valued athleticism that much, but these kids are like tier one athletes, like absolute S tier. Azar, not quite as much, but if you get into this range where he's falling further due to not necessarily having a great fit, you could kind of see the vision of him being like right in the dead center of, okay, Oklahoma City has these great guards and they've got these great big men. Who's going to fill that kind of middle slot? And Azar as like a leaper, slasher, great defense kind of guy kind of fits the mold. And if you're going to need to develop him, the Thunder have proven they're not afraid to throw somebody in the blue who's a lottery pick. And I think that would be nice for him. I do like his shooting more than his brother. It does scare me that they both are like under 70% from the line. How confident do you feel like in Azar in particular, since we're talking about him? Azar, the vo- the volume's kind of there. I-, I see it. You know, he shot, I think it was 30% on like over 100 threes. Like that's that's good enough for me. I don't think he'll ever be crazy. And I don't think a man may even get to a passable point, but I can see it a little more with this R. I think he'll be fine, especially like easy stuff. He's going to be just fine. Like catch and shoot corner threes. I think that stuff will come with ease with time, similar to other prospects, but I don't think either one of them are going to be out there hitting yank back Trey man threes anytime soon, if ever. Yeah, I like the connectivity uh, with him, uh, like some of the glue guy things that you said. And then his athleticism, it's not on men, but it like it reminds me of like with Andrew Wiggins, where it's like eight mm-hmm. straight possessions of like, I forgot Aaron Wiggins or Andrew Wiggins was out here. And then he dunks on Luca and you're like, oh, that's what he can do. And it feels with like with a SAR, it's just kind of these these burst moments. That's a that's a great template for the kind of role and impact that Asar could have. Like he's not necessarily going to be a number one or number two option on any team, but if he can make an impact in all of the right ways, cause he's a good passer too. So if he can be that connective glue piece, I think he'll stick in the league for a really long time. Yeah. And he's a solid cutter. And then the last thing on those two that I want to ask you, which was the harder evaluation, those guys in OTE or shade and sharp and like middle school film and the EYBL <laughs> circuit. I, I was so low on Shaden Sharp and everyone got mad at me because of it, but I, I didn't have anything. Yeah. Like, what do you even go off of? So I'm going to go Shaden because you say middle school. I didn't watch anything. It was like, I was watching him in empty gyms jump eight feet in the air. And it's like, that's great. But what do I do with this? So I'll go Shaden. And then the last thing on those two guys is like, obviously there's more in the weeds of what exactly it would take, but would you be willing to trade up for either of those guys? 
Um, if I'm the Thunder, probably not. But in, in just like a general draft sense, I think if you are an organization that really prioritizes development, I think Amen is going to be really good. Like I said, he's going to he's going to take a lot of patience. He might not be good for three or four years, but if you can really be patient with him, put him in a in a setting that he's going to succeed. I mean, we could be looking at pretty easily a top 15 player. And then Azar, like I said, like he's got much more of a foundational base. I'm not sure it's a guy I would necessarily give up uh, just bukus of assets for, but I would definitely draft him in the right spot. Yeah, absolutely. And then those two guys, dynamic athletes, moving on to another one, and that's out of Villanova, Cam Whitmore. Yeah, Cam, 6'7", really came onto the scene in the, the USA summer stuff. He wasn't highly touted, had a phenomenal showing at at FIBA and jumped up. Had a good season at Villanova. He's not a guy I'm necessarily as high on, per se, but he does a lot of good stuff, and I think he's a really good basketball player. Another guy with that just innate athleticism just can't teach the things that he has. I think he tested second in the standing jump and verticality at, at the combine. He's a guy, another one that not a great handler of the the basketball, but he's a straight line driver. And when he gets up, he can absolutely get up. Not a great shooter, but the shot's there. I mean, he's got decent form. He's an interesting case. Again, not, not a guy I would necessarily peg as a thunder but maybe a connective piece or or an upside swing for like the Mavericks at 10 or something if they really wanted to sell out. So he, he's super interesting. I, I know a lot of people are high on him as, as high as three and four and stuff like that. I don't quite see it. I'm not there, but I think he's definitely a top 10 talent in this draft. Well, what's the sell on him beyond the athleticism? Because it feels like he's sort of a tweener, not in a good way, just in terms of his height and weight where it's like, He's I don't like he's a dynamic athlete, but I don't know that he's going to stay with a bunch of quick guards and then I don't know that he's going to bang with a bunch of bigger guys. I think that's the million dollar question right there, Michael. I, I don't know what the sell is outside of his intangibles. I, I've heard he's a good kid, hard worker. Uh, I think he's got some good scoring instincts, like he knows what to do around the basket, stuff like that. Like he can really get to his spots and he's shown that the creation upside is there. He's got good mid range stuff. He's got solid three-point shooting when it's falling but when that stuff's not falling it his passing's really bad he had a negative assist to turnover ratio his defense is fine he's he's a good defensive playmaker but in terms of like real situational defense like stop the ball from going in the hoop he's not the best certainly in that range so that that's the question what does he offer in terms of overall impact and i think we'll probably find out pretty soon. <laughs> well, do you think he can play a role, a smaller role on a team? Because I don't think there's a single team that's going to just hand him the keys over. There's a lot of teams in this draft who have their primary facilitator guard or things like that. What can he slide and be just um, a glue guy to start and grow from there? That's really the the whole issue with this range that you just touched on there. A lot of people have their guys and we'll get into more Anthony Black and all these people, but a lot of them almost need the ball to thrive. Even a man, like a man might not end up in a place where they can give him the reins. So in terms of Whitmore, I think he'll be fine. Like he's a smart cutter. He's a timely cutter. He takes open shots. I don't think his shot selection is bad by any means. He'll be fine in an off-ball role. That's just not the way you maximize him. And if that's what you're drafting him for, there's so many better options here than that. So it, it's, you kind of got to toe the line between how much leash do we really give him here? 
Uh, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting dilemma. Does he remind you of anyone? Obviously, we both know comps are not one to one and kind of can get messy. But are there any like like I would say a guy, his feet remind me of clay or how he moves like just smaller incremental things. Hmm. Maybe like a Miles Bridges almost. He he just doesn't have a lot of like extra wiggle or anything like yeah. that. So he's very like on tracks, on treads, but on those treads, he's very good. So I, I don't know. Comps are not my thing. Earlier when you when you were talking about a man, I wanted to say Laffy Taffy John Morant. That was the only thing that came to my head. He's just like longer, like more spindly. I, I really enjoy that. I hope he has some <laughs> jokes too, but we'll move on to somebody who I am a little bit higher on. Seems like a thunder darling, and that's Taylor Hendricks out of Central Florida. Yeah, Taylor's really good. Six foot nine forward, surprise one and done at Central Florida. Uh, he's a great shooter. I think he shot somewhere around 40% on five attempts per game. Another guy who he can beat people off the dribble, but outside of like attacking closeouts, probably not going to do much with the ball actually in his hands. The upside though is on the defensive end where he's one of the better defenders in this class. I don't know really what the consensus feels on that. But when I watch like him and a Jairus Walker, who I know people are really high on defensively, there's not a lot of difference. Like he's a impeccable shot blocker, one of the best in the entire class in it, especially from the weak side, which is what everybody wants who already has a rim protector <clears throat> thunder. So Taylor Hendricks is a guy who he's very niche and I'm not sure he's ever going to break into anything more than what you're looking at now, but what he is now is really good. So he's an interesting fit for the thunder Probably not a guy that I necessarily see Presti and co looking at just due to decision-making is probably a little behind where people want it. The passing and playmaking isn't there at all, but he fills the exact stuff that Oklahoma city would be theoretically looking for. And I'll get into a, a little more in, in the actual thunder range at 12. Why I think this year that might not be the case, but yeah, not necessarily sure. I see him as a thunder guy. Another thing he's apparently via draft Twitter, completely out of their range at this point. I I've had him mocked from like the 10 to 15 range forever. And even in the last two weeks, he's been as high as like five, six. So he might be out of the range at this point. Not sure. Yeah, I've seen weird conflicting things like that, where I saw somebody was bold and said the Rockets would take him at four. And then I saw him at 14. And it's like he's either on that side of the argument or the other one. There's not anyone really. It's like I mock him at nine. It's like they're either really high on him or low on him. But I'm glad you mentioned the playmaking things with him. I just wonder with a guy like that, how much responsibility he's going to even have on the Thunder if he is handling the ball, because I think it did help to have somebody like Jay Will who can pass out of the elbows and stuff. But it's not like you're asking Taylor Hendricks if you draft him to run your offense. Yeah, he's not a guy that would command the ball ever, if at all. Like he He's very much going to be a catch and shoot in the high post, low post. He's got a little post game to him, so he can back guys down. Again, he's a little more spindly. I think he had over a seven-foot wingspan, though, so he's really interesting. He's just so niche. He's so niche. Yeah, seven th- uh, foot three wingspan is similar to guys like Siakam, Giannis, Poku, Brandon Ingram, and it's also longer than Scotty Barnes, Bam Adebayo, and Nick Claxton. Yeah, he he tested really well. Like that length, I was not expecting. Six nine is good. I figured it'd be probably seven foot wingspan, maybe even six ten, but seven three. That's crazy, and it makes a lot of sense why he's able to get out there on the perimeter too and guard guards because you're just a you're a wall. Yeah, just arms, but 41% from three on catch and shoots. And I really like that he shot with confidence. Like 
I don't want to bring up Jay Will again, but last year the ball swings to him and you could see him like thinking like I'm open. I should I guess I should shoot this. And by the time you do that, you already miss. But Taylor Hendricks on a lot of those possessions, like no conscience. It's going up. Yeah, that's that's the one weird thing about him rising so far in these drafts. Nothing happened like there was he was a consensus like 10 through 18 guy forever. The season ended and now he's going up boards and it was like pre-testing too. So I don't even know there was no like seismic event that happened for him to end up at five. I He's just there now. I'm not sure. And then um, maybe it's Intel based. Yeah. Who knows? And then backpacking on a, off a point that you said earlier about the two bigs. I was going to say that because that's just something that's in the NBA right now. That's really prevalent. Horford and uh, Time Lord are sort of my go to Robert Williams. And you have Mobley and Allen Robinson, and Randall, Jokic and Gordon, Giannis and Brooke, Looney and Steve, uh, Looney and Draymond, Stephen Adams and Triple J. And even the Lakers won a ring off a massive, you know, uh, rotation of bigs with A.D. Dwight and JaVale McGee on the floor. So I think this is something that because he can shoot, I think you could fit those guys next to each other because it's not like Chet. I mean, he's he's the opposite of a traditional five. Yeah, he. Him and Chet are similar in a couple ways in that they stretch the floor, both good shot blockers, but they're different type shot blockers in the fact that Hendricks can really do it outside the paint. I think he's quite a bit better of a drop coverage defender, despite Chet being decent at that too, and will probably get better and better at that. But them as a tandem is super intriguing. And again, I, I don't know that he's on the list just due to kind of that decision making, but he would be a phenomenal fit next to. I mean, you name it on the Thunder next to Chet, next to Shea, next to Josh dishing the ball out to three. Like he, he's a fun fit. I don't I don't know if it's in the cards, but he's fun. Yeah. But if you could have a rim protecting five who can space the floor on the floor at all times, I'd be feeling pretty good about that. But um, <laughs> interesting stuff from him. He, he did give me a little bit of Miles Turner vibes. I've heard PJ Washington, some other ones. Are there any ones that you like about that? that are just guys that remind you of Taylor Hendricks. Hmm. I don't know. He, his defense really stands out to me. He's got like the defense of a McDaniel with the shooting of someone much better at shooting than a McDaniel. <laughs> so he he's fun. He's really fun. Yeah. And it's just, there's, there's just weird things with him. Uh, I like him on the perimeter, but at the same time, it feels like he's just sort of straight up on a lot of possessions. I'd like a little mm -hmm. bit more been there, but you're right. He just weaponizes his wingspan. But do you have any concerns on, him in the perimeter as a guy who would get hunted because I think that most of the time you'd want him on the weak side or in drop coverage. But in this modern NBA, if you are a weakness defensively, they're going to attack you. Yeah, maybe initially, like out the gate as a rookie, you know, it's always going to be a hard adjustment. But down the line, I really, really see him as as versatile as it gets. Like if you go and watch his tape, his footwork is impeccable, which at six, nine, as we know, that's hard to do. Like that's why Chet is one of the best. He was one of the top rim protectors and top defenders in the class at seven foot because his footwork is so good at that size. It's almost unheard of. And that's why women Yama is so good at doing what he does. Like if you can have good footwork and sound like fundamentals, top to bottom as a defender like that, no matter your size, like you're, you're going to be fine. And I think he will be. And then the last thing on him and his playmaking, I just wanted to ask you, because obviously there are guys like LeBron's a basketball genius. He's a supercomputer. And then there are guys who just make terrible decisions with the ball. Um, sorry, Rylan, Darius Baisley or something like that. <laughs> Would you say that he's like he's a bad decision maker with the ball, low basketball IQ, or is he just kind of right in the middle? Oh, definitely right in the middle. He's not bad by any means. He very much knows his role, can feel out the offense, willing passer. 
he's just not quite on the plane that maybe guys who are looking for great processors is like, he, he's just not at that point, but he's fine. Like he's not going to stick out like a sore thumb for the wrong reasons at all. Okay. That, that was my main concern of just like, can you attack a closeout? Can you keep the ball moving and it not be a record scratch? Cause I think that's what the thunder need more than anything out of these tertiary guys, because you have your playmaking hubs in giddy dub Shea and even Chet to an extent who can keep the ball moving. So those other guys just have to not be black holes. Yeah, 100%. And I don't think he would be at all. He He's very good about finding the open man, playing within the offense. That's what made him such a, a standout at UCF. Well, from black hole to Anthony Black, who's not a black hole, he loves to get the, the ball out to his teammates and keep guys involved. What are your impressions of Anthony Black out of Arkansas? Yeah, he's maybe my favorite player in this entire draft. I, I just think at six foot seven with the passing chops and his positional rebounding, the scoring, I think he's just going to, it's easy to see him sticking in the league. I, <laughs> I have my big board pulled up right now and there's a number five next to his name. So I'm a big fan. I don't think he'll be there at all when the Thunder are drafting. I, Again, he's another one like Cam Whitmore. He's probably a lead guard, but there's so few teams right now drafting for a lead guard. I love his fit with the Jazz at number nine, and I think they'll end up liking him there too. But he, he's another guy who's kind of niche, like not going to offer a ton in the ways of off-ball stuff. His shooting, I think he shot 30% on pretty low volume. He's a fine cutter. He's a really smart player, a quick processor of the game, but without elite athleticism he can't utilize that cutting a lot or slashing things like that so he he's an interesting offensive fit on a lot of teams he's maximized as a lead guard defensively phenomenal one of the best perimeter defenders in the entire class great defensive playmaker he loves doing this little like jab and poke thing off the ball like where he just just relentlessly attacks people that he's not even guarding that and then on ball he, he's can absolutely hound you with his wingspan, all the intangibles. So he's really interesting. He's one of my favorite players. I think he's going to be a good NBA basketball player, but another guy who's just a little niche, a little too niche at this point. Yeah, he uses physicality well. He moves his feet well. Um, he's not a fantastic shooter, which is just obvious. It's one of those main concerns with a lot of these guys. He did remind me of just the the European point guard, uh, jumbo-sized guard who just kind of does a lot of things. And we've seen that from guys who have come over from overseas or the NBL and guys like Dyson Daniels, who I think he's pretty similar to. And then he's even got some giddy comps. Yeah, he had that interview saying that he watches a lot of Josh Giddy and he watches a lot of the Thunder being from Arkansas with Jay Will and Isaiah and all these people. So he, he's interesting just based off what we have, kind of the the like vague template for him. I can't see him not being a, at least a connective good glue guy and especially with the defense and passing like those are such solid bases for a basketball player yeah i don't think he's going to be an all-star but i think you're going to look up and see him on like a conference finals team in like five years playing a big role and like supporting whoever the other guy is a luca or whoever i mean it's too he's going to go higher than that but just somebody in that sort of air where he's just the supportive piece yeah, 100%. And in terms of the Thunder, this is really where you you get to that redundancy question of they've already got at least three guys like this. So are there too many cooks in the kitchen? I, again, I don't think he'll be there at 12, but if he ended up falling to nine and the Thunder 
maybe you want to give the Jazz back their pick next year or something like that and really go up and grab him. It It's an interesting uh, thought experiment to think about what he would look like on this Thunder team. It the The spacing scares me to say the least, but... Yeah, I feel like we all have Thunder PTSD of just like we can never have enough shooting. The Thunder will have five guys all shooting 40% from three and we're just going to go, I just, they need one more shooter. It's just not enough. <laughs> just give me one more. But, just one more. Yeah, Anthony Black, he does a lot of things similar to those three guys you mentioned, and but he's just not as good as them. I mean, this is not to trash on Anthony Black. It's more about how special Josh Giddy is that he's like one of the 10 best passers in the league and a high level processor. And I don't, I think that he's going to Anthony Black's going to be at his best when you hand the keys over to him. But I don't necessarily think that he's going to be someone who later in his career is still handling the ball for the majority of the possessions. Yeah, it's a little off topic, but I love his fit with Orlando because mm-hmm. they're they're doing that like lengthy forward driven project. But for all intents and purposes, like Paolo could be your lead. Franz is right there with him. So Anthony could handle the rock at times, really facilitate to those guys. But on the other hand, like if he's off the ball, it's not going to be that harmful to their roster construction. So I just think that's a fun fit. Yeah. And you can have him run your second unit and other things. It doesn't have to be all or nothing where it's like he's either off the ball standing in the corner or he's handing with every possession. But I'm excited for him. I like him. Just his basketball IQ kind of just shows through the tape, even in the limited sample that I've seen. I did have some concerns about, well, one Sam Vecini mentioned this the other day that early in the season, one of their only shooters got hurt for Arkansas and that really damaged their spacing. But there were just him averaging three turnovers, Anthony Black to his four assists per game mm-hmm. did kind of give me like some uh, cause for concern. Yeah, he gambles a lot, which I think I said it. I've said it somewhere. I don't remember where Twitter heat check. I'm not sure, but I personally just evaluating passers, which is my absolute favorite trait. Like I love a guy that can pass a rock. It's just my favorite thing to watch in basketball. I like a guy who can gamble like that and really make the the like whoa passes often, even if it is at the expense of turnovers. I just appreciate that of like, oh, they can do this. So down the line, once they tighten it up, this could be a thing without the turnovers, which not everybody thinks that way, but that's just kind of like my rationale on it. Definitely, definitely a thing to look out for, though. Like you never want a guy who supposedly one of the best passers in the class averaging the most turnovers. But I think there's times here and there where that can be a little misconstrued. Yeah, there's well-intentioned turnovers. And then there's ones where it's like, what are you doing? Like Jordan Poole the other night in game six or game five, they get eliminated and he sets that moving screen where it's just like, what are you doing? But there are ones where you know, Josh did this a lot last year where he throws a cross court pass. And it's like, I can see what you were trying to do at least. So I think some of those are contextual with him, but it did just thinking of the spacing and stuff. If he's going to be a lead ball handler, that many turnover, turnovers did just like give me some level of concern that I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. And you said well-intentioned. That's like the definition of what they are. He had an interview at the the combine scrimmages the other day. He was watching his, his teammate, Ricky Council Jr. there and Every single question they asked him, he somehow found a way to like spin it back to his teammates and he wants to get others involved and he's pass first. Like he's absolutely a guy that he'll he'll want to win before anything else. So absolutely. Well, let's get to another guy, and that is Grady Dick out of Kansas, 19 years old, 6'8, 205 pound guard with roughly a seven foot wingspan from Kansas. Yeah, Grady, he's probably the darling, if I had to guess, for Thunder fans, just based off what the fans want, probably not on the front office wish list again, but Grady's really good. I mean, I think I read a stat the other day 
He's one of only like three Kansas Jayhawks to average as a freshman 14 points in like the last 30 years or something like that. Like he was Gatorade player of the year in 2021 in the whole country in high school. He played these guys in high school. Anthony Black, Keontae George, all these guys. So he can ball. Like a lot of people look at him as just a shooter and he is a shooter. I think 40% on upwards of five attempts, incredible shot, great fluid motion. But he's more than that, and he really is. And I think that's where the Thunder fit is interesting. And kind of to bring it back to that earlier point is, I know a lot of people that have been tuned into what the Thunder have been doing for a long time value versatility. Like that's the biggest buzzword is versatility. But I think more than that, it's processing and decision-making. Like, Are they going to be a hamper? Not necessarily that they're not completely versatile, but are they going to have these huge glaring holes? And I don't think Grady has any of that. And more than that, I think he adds versatility in the sense that he adds things to the team that they don't currently have. So he's adding versatility by being a shooter, by having the size and length. So he's a really interesting fit. He can beat people off the dribble. He can attack closeouts. Great shooter. His off-ball shooting's immaculate. He's going to be one of the best shooters in the league in three years easily. So I like his fit more than people think. And I think Oklahoma City might too, more than at least the fans and the people who've been really tuned in. How would you evaluate just his cutting and movement off the ball? I know that he's a good shooter when he does catch it off the move, but just like operating in those spaces because it feels like outside of Isaiah Joe, there hasn't been really anyone for the Thunder doing that. Yeah, I mean, he can definitely, he's a really good at-rim finisher is one thing. Like with his size and he's just pretty savvy. So if he can actually get to the ring, he's really good. He's not like the most active. He's just more, he's more looking to get to his spot on the perimeter than like cutting necessarily. He runs a little bit in transition and he can really get up. He's like very sneakily athletic. There's a lot of highlight level plays there where you're kind of like, didn't know he could do that. So he's not going to be like some crazy active off-ball mover. He's not like the speediest either, but he's just, if he's got even a microscopic amount of space, he's going to have the ability to hit that shot. And you can run plays for him off-ball that's going to get him that. And especially with what the Thunder want to do in that sense, like getting people open, I think he would just be really, really good. Yeah, I don't, he's not Clay Thompson, but he has a couple traits that just kind of remind me of Clay, like I said, and that's just... His shot looks the same from everywhere, even if he's a mm-hmm. little bit deeper. The mechanics are the exact same. He doesn't look too rushed. And just um, he's not a premier ball handler, but like Clay, he has those two or three dribble package moves where he can get by a guy and get to the mid-range shot or go around a screen and get to a step back three. Yeah, he he's one of the smoothest basketball. Like you said, like there's guys who due to strength get bumped off their spots a lot, you'll see. And that's like a big thing. Like Turquavian Smith is the worst about it. And and kind of the smaller, skinnier guys, they get bumped off their spots and even shooters. If you can like mess them up in any small way, it can really throw off their whole equilibrium. Like you were talking about play and guys like Grady who can get to that point. I really do think so. They're really good about staying composed in those situations and keeping the same motion through everything and not being able to get bumped off because he's six foot eight. So he's a really good player. I think he's going to have a huge impact. That and his his hands are always ready. His footwork is great, not even just on the shot, but like just curling around a screen like it's similar every single time. There's not like a lot of variance where it's like, well, what was that? It's just kind of like day after day, the same thing. I mean, the shooting is going to come and go like with everyone. You're going to have cold stretches, but just 
I like the process of like every single possession. It's like you could put them on a piece of paper and like stack them on top of each other would match. I'm obsessed with the Franz Wagner dynamic of how he looked completely like a role player with Michigan. And then he gets to the NBA and he's like some secondary handler showing off all kinds of stuff that we had absolutely no idea existed. And if I, I, I wanted to go through this draft and I want to be like, who could exhibit those type things, but not Franz Wagner, obviously who, who's going to do that this year. And Grady was one of the guys that stands out to me, the, to me the most as he's a guy who everyone just talks about him and his shooting, his shooting, 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 but in high school and in these like unrestrictive Kansas Jayhawk moments, like he can put the ball on his, on the floor and he can finish at the rim. He's a guy that I could totally see breaking out of that mold very quickly. I just think he's that good of a basketball player. And the next guy we're going to talk about is the other one on the list. Do you think he's going to be able to fill out sort of like Franz? Because I think they're similar sizes, but there's just a little bit more muscle and physicality to Franz and just what I've seen. Yeah, probably not. I don't think he'll ever be some like bruiser. He's not going to be able to like take you into the paint and rough you around, but He's a guy who I think could get to his spots pretty easily. Like he's not going to have to do a ton to get a shot off just being the size that he is. And and I think his handle will get to a certain point too. So I think he's eventually going to be able to create for himself some. So you would trust him more than Taylor Hendricks in that sort of category. Mm, Yeah, for sure. I would. Yeah. Taylor specifically. There's a couple other guys that I might like cam is pretty close, but Taylor Hendricks, I think I lean Grady pretty, pretty easily. I'm going to throw out a bunch of white guy comps here, which were not intentional. But now that I look at them, they're all white. So just let me know which one you think is the most similar for Grady. I've got Doug McDermott, uh, Gordon Hayward, Peja Stoyakovich, Kevin Herter, Luke Kennard, Corey Kispert, Cam Johnson, and Austin Reeves. Mm. Who was the first one? I think I like that one the most. Doug McDermott. Yeah, I like McDermott. That's that's a good one. But he's got a little more. He's got a little more like off the ball juice. Than, than Doug McDermott. He's got way more athleticism. He's savvy. Like I like that comp a lot. Would you worry about him defensively? I mean, he's got the size and the length, but just like foot speed getting switched out there. I mean, no one's going to guard a lot of these guys like a Scoot Henderson out one-on-one, but is he going to be somebody who gets kind of fried out there? That's the knock, absolutely, is his foot speed defensively. The, the counter argument I would make is that I think he's going to blend into a team really well. And I think his basketball IQ, which is, again, another reason I think he's at least on the list for Oklahoma City, is really good. Like He's going to be able to keep himself in place just via basketball knowledge and having his head on a swivel and just kind of like that clairvoyant situational awareness. So a lot of people look at him as a negative defender in the NBA right now. I think he'll be fine. That might be a hot take, but I think he'll be fine. And the Thunder in a nice position where they don't have a lot of guys who get played off the floor. I think you can kind of insulate at least one non-defender like you can do with a non-shooter. And I don't think he's a non-defender where it's like Duncan Robinson where it's just like, oh, he just has a red target on his back. But he's definitely going to get hunted. But we're going to move on to another guy. And that is Jarris Walker out of Houston, 19 years old, 6'8", 240, 7'2", wingspan. What are your thoughts on Jarris? Yeah, if Anthony Black is not my favorite player in the draft, it's probably Jarris Walker. Uh, I He's one of the few prospects I got to go watch in person. I watched him in Tulsa. He looks like he's seven foot eight. Like it, it's uncanny. And he, I think he tested like six, six without shoes, which blows my mind. Probably not true, but he he's such a fun player. Like if any 
player in the last 15 years needed to be compared to Draymond Green. It's him. Like his con- his connective passing ability, his defensive versatility. Like he's so so good at those things, and his offensive upside is good too because he can hit open threes. He's good with the ball in hands, which again, in a restrictive Houston system, he just wasn't able to show. But there's something to be said for going to Kelvin Sampson's Houston team and being a defensive anchor on the best team in the nation and really wanting to get better at those specific things. So Jairus is a guy I am massively high on. I told Ryland the other day, I'll say it here. He was built in a lab to play for this Oklahoma City Thunder team. Like, like hand over the beaker, they were dropping things in and out came Jairus Walker in a Thunder jersey. Like it's just him next to Chet in the front court is just perfection. So he, he's really interesting. Another guy that he could go at five, he could go at 11. I'm honestly not sure. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's one of those things I wanted to hit on that reminded me of Chet. And that's when Chet went to Gonzaga as a five star and they already had a mm-hmm. very like, you know, uh, complete team. Like, here's what we do. And he was able to fit in. I saw a lot of that for Jarris where another five star guy and he didn't come in and it's like, how can you guys help me? It was just, what can I do to kind of like sure up the gaps here? And he looked, you know, even at 19 on a veteran team, like he belonged. Oh yeah. 100%. I've heard he's like an all world person, like the best kid, just like absolutely will do anything necessary to make himself better make the team better make others around him better. Like just grade a guy. So yeah, he's NBA built ready just physically. I think he is a guy like you mentioned that can operate out of like the um, the elbow area. He can shoot enough from the mid range and he can pass some. Um, I who do you think moves better in space defensively, uh, Jairus Walker or Jalen Duran from last year? Mm. I would lean Jairus. I think he's a bit more mobile, but I, I like Jalen Duran, and I think. I think Duran's far from a finished product. I'll say that. He's probably younger, actually. Yeah. So, but th- that's a that's a good comparison. I like that. But I, I lean Walker. I think he's a little more mobile, a little more on the move. And Jarris, just with him playing on that Houston team and being kind of a tertiary piece around their veterans, I think there is a giant growth plate for him, especially with an NBA spacing. I think that he's going to get a lot better. I don't think he's a guy who's going to plateau and then get to the NBA. And it's kind of like, this is what I am. Yeah, 100%. One through five is like a vastly overused defensive term. But like Jairus is as close as I could get to saying one through five without throwing up in my mouth. Like he's very easily two through four to me. Yeah, one through five switching, you hear that. And it's like, it's fine if you're like, it's like I can guard one through five. And it's like, yeah, well, you're only good at guarding the threes. You're just okay at the rest. Right. It's like, so you have, <laughs> right. when we're talking about one through five, I think most people want to say it's like, oh, he's great at all those positions. I don't think there's a human on earth, like even Giannis, probably the most versatile defender in the league. He can't stay with a lot of these quick guards, but that's a rant for another day. Jairus, I do really like, I like his physicality. I like his energy. Um, he, you mentioned Draymond. He gave me some rich man, Isaiah Stewart vibes. Um, mm-hmm. Also some early uh, Paul Millsap, or even, I like this one, a team first Morris twin. <laughs> I like that. I like Millsap. That's a really good one. I haven't heard that before. So you've been very positive about him. What are what are the holdups? What if you were playing the devil's advocate, you know, evil Derek here, what would he say against <laughs> Jairus? Um, the offense probably is not ever going to get to a point that warrants taking him within the top five, which is kind of where he's mocked at and probably where a lot of these teams like Detroit 
are wanting to get out of. It's kind of no man's land. Like on paper, Jarris is a great basketball player. I'm confident he's going to be really good in the NBA. But like, do you really want a 10 points per game defensive savant at the fifth overall pick? Probably not. So the offense might never come around, but it's something that I am just willing to bet on. And if it does, like, what are we looking at? You know, like, what is he if the three ball comes around and this, like, he's got in high school, he showed like tremendous on ball, like he can handle the rock. So if that comes around, like, what are we looking at? So there's, there's a few more knocks than that, but that's the big one is, is just his offensive upside. And the last thing uh, I'll ask about him is, um, which fit do you like more between him and Chet and him and uh, in Hendricks and Chet? I go back and forth because these two, for some reason, are just like linked at the hip in terms of like defense. They're very, very close. They have different skills. Offensively, they're very, very different. I lean. I lean Jarris just because I lean Jarris overall. Honestly, I can't give you a, a real explanation. I just think. His passing is like good. Like he, it's not completely refined, completely tightened up right now, but he is like very much in that mold of Draymond in terms of like, he's going to be able to operate out of the high post really well. He's going to find you if you're open. And I think that next to Chet, like in big, big situations in like a, a high low Jairus to Chet or even Chet to Jairus, like that makes me salivate. It really does. Like that would be amazing. It sounds like a rich man's version of Jay Will in a way and how they've used him. It really is, except take Jay Will's defense and punt it out the window and just like transplant Isaiah Stewart onto that. I think we could talk about him all day, but we're going to move on to Keontae <laughs> George, 6'4 guard out of Baylor, 185. Um, uh, my main note that I had here was, uh, is this us trying again with Trey Mann? Yeah, there, I mean, there's some similarities. Keontae George is a guy I have been like massively high on. He was. I think I mocked him third overall to to like in the preseason. So I was like really, really high on him. Six, three, six, four-ish. He's well built. I saw today he lost like 20 pounds since he actually got to Baylor. So he started out at 220. He's down to like 201 now. Um offensive guru, not like necessarily exceptionally quick or speedy. Doesn't have like the buzzwords, first step, like things like that, burst. But he's really good at getting to his spots. He can rise up. He's physical, uses his frame really well, even though he's only 6'4". Offensively, he's just really, really good. He's not a point guard. He's not quite a shooting guard either. He's like very, very much in that tweener range where to start the year, Baylor used him more as a point guard. And as that went along, they kind of rode with Flagler a little more and used him as a, a shooting guard. But he was asked to do a ton for the Bears this season. Like, one of the best teams in the Big 12. He was one of the best players on it at 19 years old. I'm massively high on him, and he's fallen out of the like top six-ish, which is where he was like for a majority of the season. And I don't really understand why. I would be shocked if he was there at number 12, honestly. I just can't imagine an NBA franchise looking at him and, and passing him up over guys like even... Kaysen Wallace, maybe Anthony Black. Like, I think he's that good. I think he's really, really good. That's interesting. I, I guess I would play the devil's advocate of him falling a little bit would just be that we are in an NBA where there's just a glut of a lot of these zero combo guards where they do where they play on or off the ball. They shoot. And they're kind of heat check guys. So maybe value isn't there unless you think he is. I mean, 
uh, maybe Emmanuel quickly. But to me, Keontae George, I like, but it's just like almost like he has tattooed on his forehead six man. <laughs> yeah, I get that. The thing, my rebuttal to that, because that you're right, that is absolutely the question in terms of these like combo guards that do a little bit of everything. One of the reasons I'm kind of actually out on Kobe Bufkin, who we'll get to later, but my rebuttal to that is he cares so much about winning basketball games. He tries his absolute butt off on defense, which is like my one, my one rebuttal towards that is like, how many of these like Zach Levine and Bradley Beal, Jalen Green type guys like really, really care about defense. All of them are going to be limited, of course, by their size and like just who they are. But Keontae gets after it more than like any offensive minded guard I've ever seen. And it's good for something like that. That just excites me. That's what made me him stand out to me as like, oh, this guy's going to work hard. He's going to like try regardless in the preseason. And I think he showed it in Baylor, too. So that's really encouraging. But just one more on that. Just what is he without the shot? Like everybody goes through cold stretches, like we said. And I don't think you want if you're the Thunder, a guy who it's like, well, you're off tonight. We're going to send you next to the, on the bench next to Lindy and things like that. But like if the shot's not there, what else does he bring to the table? Because you mentioned he tries really hard on defense, but he's not somebody like a door. You can just throw on the floor. It's like, we'll just live with whatever's on offense. Yeah, I would say. Again, he's in that tweener range. So like he has point guard tendencies. His first game of the season, I think he had like nine assists. And then those first four or five games of the season, he looked like a point guard. Like they played him basically at the point. He showed some real vision. Definitely not as refined as you'd like. Like he's not near on the level of like Anthony Black or Amen Thompson, who's probably the best passer in the class. He's not at that level. But there is definitely more than just like, it, it's more than just scoring. So if the shot's not falling, there's a situation where He's still got the ball in his hands. He's still facilitating. He still has that gravity because he's typically a scorer, which I think is a little more than you can say for, I hate to harp on him, but like Trey Mann, when the Trey, when Trey Mann's shot is not falling, he really doesn't have as much of that facilitation. Like he's got some, but I think Keontae has a little more juice than he's given credit for in that regard. That would be my thing. Yeah, that's a good case. But unfortunately, I have some good news and bad news. Bad news is we are out of time for today. Good news is Derek will be joining us for part two with even more discussion about some more players as we get into some weeds. We uh, talked for a very long time today and got into a lot of great stuff and just want to keep the conversation rolling. So Derek, thanks again for coming on with me and thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. Make sure to rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends about us. Tell anyone about us. Follow us at Pod on Twitter. And Derek and I should be back again on either Tuesday or Friday to pick up on the second half of this breakdown of some of the guys in the draft. But um, see you then.